Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. All right. Welcome to Knife Talk. This is a podcast of three knife makers who get together and we talk about what we're doing. We answer your questions about knife-related stuff, knife-making, blah, blah, blah. We try to keep you company. And I'm very fortunate enough to be in this situation with Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives and the returning, the continental adventurer, the guy who trucked across (laughs) the country, Mareko Momasi, who woke up super early to be here. Mareko, how was your trip? Oh man, <laughs> I mean, there's so much to say, but the ultimately moving sucks. Um, <laughs> the worst, the worst. And it just took so much more time than we anticipated to get ready. Um, I actually, so leading up to the move, I was working on a couple knives that I really had to get put together and sent out just before the move, and I kind of started rushing at the end, and of course. Uh, things did not pan out the way I was. Uh, they ideally would have, and uh, I have some touch-up stuff uh, to do on those knives. One of the knives got a little bit stained from the acid, got on the handle, uh, and then the other one I just couldn't, because I was trying to futz around with that handle the first one, I couldn't uh, really get the finish I wanted on the second one, and so both of them uh, are still waiting now to be finished until I get the shop space set up. So that left me with uh, packing all my shop stuff in one day and loading it up all in one day. Oh, my God. And and it's, I mean, Jeff, I've seen your shop. You're pretty well set up. You got got a lot of equipment and everything. That would be tough. Um, Most of my, half of my stuff was in boxes already. But it's just, you know, my workbench and trying to track down everything I, I brought and placed around the shop <laughs> in the 6,000 oh. square foot shop, um, oh. making sure I got all that stuff. Um, definitely but did you have any moving power hammers, things like that? Are you moving big no, stuff no, too? No, no, just, just my hydraulic press. So basically right. what I took there, uh, I brought back. Um, so that's my hydraulic press, my even heat kiln, um, I got my new MK, AMK grinder, um, and just all that kind of stuff. 
and just making sure just you know that you got everything is always kind of the hard part like i i don't keep a running tally of everything so i was just like well i guess if i forget anything i'll have them ship it to me so um so other than that and then so that got me over to the house uh we were planning on starting loading the house at around two o'clock in the afternoon this was on a friday and i i didn't i didn't get to the house until 8 30 or so and so that put us behind and then we were planning on leaving the next morning at nine o'clock nine o'clock in the morning we didn't leave until nine o'clock at night Uh, and and so already that's two long ass days for me packing and loading and lifting and moving shit and then we hit the road. My wife is an incredible trooper when it comes to driving. Uh, but my ass, when I'm tired, I'm fucking tired. And I drove for about an hour and a half, almost two hours. And I started doing the slow blinks, and it's late, uh, and it's dark. And, uh, you know, there's uh, in the Northeast, there's all those damn whitetails dead on the side of the road because they just, they're like mice up there, up there. And, uh, you know, those you are dear be, for you. Those you, are dear for you. you uh, yeah, you can people. hit one at any time. So I was like, either I'm going to hit one of those damn things or I'm going to drive off the road and fucking die. I need to stop. And so I pulled into a rest area and I just I slept in the in the front seat of the in the cab of the truck that first night. And then the, the which made the next day was supposed to be like a, an eight or nine hour day. Or actually, sorry, the next... Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Eight, eight or nine hour day, that added an extra four hours to my day. And I was an hour and a half, two hours away, and I just couldn't... I couldn't do it. <laughs> I had to stop and sleep in my truck again, second night in a row. But the third day, I caught up, finally. And what was really great is stopping... Uh, and, and then the, from then on, um, uh, the rest of the road trip went went fine driving i'm fine driving long distance as long as i do it while i'm <laughs> awake um clearly a great tip a great tip my buddy josh smith gave me uh was sunflower seeds when i was driving from washington to connecticut and so you know popping the seeds digging the you know the seed out of the shell and stuff it's hard to fall asleep when your your brain's working on that a little bit and also listen to podcasts i actually did a little uh knife talk podcast uh marathon catching up on all the episodes i hadn't listened to already i thought there was a bunch of them but it was actually only i think like three or four so i got caught up on all of those um lots of audiobooks and stuff like that and were you spitting the seeds into a cup yeah of course yeah all right you were yeah just whenever like i talking about the window <laughs> no 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 it's like true too damn loud <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> spitting no, the seeds trucker. out the window a true trucker pisses in a giant Arizona oh. iced tea bottle. All right. Uh, all right. All right. All I right. saw a few of those getting poured out, too. It was fucking uh. disgusting. Anyway. Right. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I think the, the highlight of the trip was stopping and saying what's up to a few knife makers along the way. I wish that it was a more relaxed trip and I could have stopped and seen a lot more people. But that just wasn't the case for this Who- Whose shop move. did you visit? Uh, so I, I popped in to uh, Andy Wozniak, who is a Colony Knife Company. Uh, when we were passing passing through Akron, Ohio, because he was only a couple minutes off the highway, 
So I needed to stop anyways to get some gas and take a quick break. And so I popped in and said, what's up to him? Um, what's and up? No, it, where's your toilet? <laughs> oh, what's up? I got, a, I got a couple bottles of piss to drop. <laughs> hey, you got any more Arizona iced tea bottles? I'm out. <laughs> no, no. And, uh, no, it's good. To, it's nice to meet him face to face. You know, He's I've been good following dude. his work for a long time. I think uh, he was my community showcase a few weeks back. He's just a great kid. He's super talented. Um, got to learn a bit more about him. Um, and then uh, who else? Oh, I stopped by uh, Shane Taylor's shop. He's a he's a custom knife maker. He's a master uh, ABS master bladesmith, and uh, he's one of those ABS master bladesmiths who really he his Damascus is one of the few makers Damascus that puzzles me. Um, when I stop and look at most Damascus, I can reverse engineer it in about 10 seconds and his stuff I actually have to think about. And, um, but outside of that, he's an incredible craftsman. He makes these really, 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 um, just really fine and, and really interesting, uh, folders. He does a lot of stuff with like cog and gear shapes and stuff like that. They're really cool. Um, but he's on Instagram, Shane Taylor Knives. He's actually part of the calendar. Um, the Artisans of Steel calendar, and uh, which how do we do? Do we, move any, do we move any calendars? What? Yeah, yeah. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, that's really helping, especially with all the downtime out of the shop. Yeah, uh, I think there's we got a big push. Solid. This is the last big push too, right? Yeah, so this we're gonna last do big a nice push. We'll, we'll cal- do a nice the, big the push. Pre- we'll do a nice big push this episode. Yeah, the the pre-sale ends. Uh, at the end of Blade Show on the 9th. So, yeah, this is going to be like kind of one of the last big push. Mm-hmm. And uh, who else did I stop and see? You oh, saw I Will stayed. Stelter, right? Oh, yeah, yep, yep. So, these guys, I saw a bunch of people in Montana, or three makers in Montana. So, after the next day, um, we were driving and hit Will Stelter in Bozeman and got to see him and see uh, the shop he sit- shares with Alex Steele. And it's a nice setup. I I got there and uh, was ready <laughs> to, to take a piss again. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, and the one of the legs of their power had, had somehow went out. Um, and so the pump, the the water pump, apparently was connected to that leg, <laughs> and. And so, so Arizona bottles. Hey, hey, Will, you got any bottles? <laughs> exactly. No, there was. You know, the tank. The tank had one last load of water in it. The in the <laughs> toilet. So I had one flush in it. <laughs> so, all right. But other than that, um, hopefully they got their power back the, up. The toilet yeah, tour yeah. of 2019. The toilet tour 2020. Yeah, 19. <laughs> Um, oh my god. Oh, and then the last person we hit in Montana was Josh Smith. He's got a beautiful place out there. I met him actually on my second episode of Forge of Fire. He uh he's out in Montana on the on the west side of Montana and um just outside of Missoula. And his beautiful property, gorgeous house, and they have a, they uh they farm there and so they got horses, cows, pigs. Um, geese that they hate, they're, they're, those aren't intentional. But anyways, Vi- uh, Josh got Victor up on the tractor. My son is obsessed with tractors and trucks and cars and everything, but he loves tractors. And uh, 
So Josh took him on a ride, and I thought Josh was just going to putter around with Victor on there. But Josh pulled out and then hit the, hit the gas and let Victor steer the damn tractor around. Wow. And he was a pig in shit. He was so excited. He loved driving that tractor and, and lifting up the bucket and dumping the bucket. Oh, my God. How was the so, bathroom? The bathroom situation was great. All right, that's next year's calendar. The bathrooms of artisans. Toilets of artisans. Yeah. Oh my god. Shop don't, shitters don't take a of 2020. Of the one at Dragon's Breath Forge. I've been in that bath. I've been in. I went to that bathroom, Dragon's Breath Forge. That was a hard ass bathroom right there. That was a hard bathroom, man. <laughs> it's a rough one. That was a hard bathroom. Uh, yeah, and yeah, and then we finished it out from there. It was one last day. Made it back to Tumwater. We're actually, we're down in Tonight in Washington, where we're staying with our in-law, my in-laws, uh, for the time being, uh, just to have a place land, and then we're going to get settled in, and all that good stuff, so it was good, it started out rough, but it ended really strong, and it was good, and now we got the truck all unloaded, um, I got all my stuff at the shop, I spent a few hours yesterday getting things organized, not unpacked necessarily, but just like, kind of in its place. And so today is actually going to be unpacking day, going through all the boxes and just kind of getting my space set up so I can start working again. It's a Legion of Doom time. Legion of Doom time, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm pulled up with my buddy Luis Pena, uh, whose work, if you haven't seen it, you got to check it out. See Luis Pena on Instagram. And uh, he's also a chef's knife maker, really great guy. And he's got a great space to work in and uh, I think it's going to be good. I think there's we're going to have some we're coming up with ideas for some fun events just to do like local community stuff just for just to build up grow uh kind of build up community connection in the area and stuff like that. We have he's a super talented cook. And so inspired by by Jeff's hammer in, I think we're going to try to do some kind of food and and forging. Great idea. Um, kind of coordinated well, your hammering and you know the stuff Neil's doing actually too, his forge to table. So yeah. kind of playing in that space a little bit and trying to, yeah. Anyways, well, do makes more of that. Sense. Makes but, um, sense. That's it. It was a long week, but uh, we made it. We're alive. I didn't crash and die. Um, thank God. And uh, yeah. What about mm-hmm. you, Craig? How you been? <laughs> disastrous. Absolutely disastrous. disastrous. Holy shit. So. Bro. I managed to chop a big part of my finger off. Oh, um, what day was this? Thursday. It's completely what? my fault. So how much? Are you kidding me? About ten or twelve millimeters, maybe half inch. Half an um, inch. It's 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 yeah. It's pretty serious. So wait my a second. Fault. I, half an inch. Yeah. You could you see the bone? Oh, you can see the bone. Oh, Oh, I'm passing it's, out. it's pretty rough. It's pretty rough. So my fault. I was. I didn't sleep at all the night before. The babies were up and and so on. And we, we've had a lot of on our plate the last couple of weeks with my wife going back to work and all the rest of it. So we, we've been pretty busy. Yeah. So I'm preparing some food for the babies and I'm chopping away and just chopping through an onion. I look up to see the babies continue chopping. The next thing you know, clean cut straight through oh. the nail, straight through the finger. Oh. Now. There was no pain. It was weird. There was no pain, but blood went everywhere. So my reaction is just to wrap it up quickly, tape it up, stop the blood, stop the blood. And there's no pain. So I was like, oh, well, I'm fine. So I didn't really get to see it. 
I just knew that it wasn't hurting. You so didn't see that lump bad. of finger on your cutting board? Well, well, I'll, I'll tell you about that in just a second. But um, yeah, a, <laughs> a pork fried rice I won't be eating again very soon. <laughs> oh, no! But, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I'm fine for the rest of the day. I'm feeling a little bit faint, and I'm, I'm putting that down to sort of blood loss. And, you know, that this thing is bright red on my finger, so I just keep putting more layers on top. So it looked like a boxing glove in the end. So I'm sitting down in the evening, me and my wife, and all of a sudden this pain starts. And I'd say I'd gone from zero pain to the worst pain I've ever had within about 15 minutes. Just oh, throbbing, shit. and it was just, you could feel, or like my pulse seemed to be like a million times stronger. I could really feel it, and it was throbbing, and my finger was going hard, and I was just, oh, jeez. And, um, you know, we live pretty rural here, so there's, you know, there's no hospital close. So I'm like, right, I'm just going to medicate myself tonight, take lots of painkillers, and in the morning we'll see where we are. Oh, my God. So took the strongest painkillers I could, managed to get a few hours sleep. Next you just have, day, wait, do you just have painkillers handy? Yes, yes, How's yes. That work? Um, <laughs> well, you've got you to you just... keep, keep them on hand. <laughs> okay, but, okay, um, sorry. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, so the next day I, I wake up, still a lot of pain. So I go into the hospital. Um, they sort of unwrap it, and then we could see the real damage. So I'd say if you, if you look at your... This is my first finger on my left hand. If you look at, you know, the, the middle through the through the uh, through the nail, I'd say a forty-five degree angle, and it's probably about, I say, about twelve millimeters down, just straight through, mm. clean cut, complete clean cut, and it was, yeah, you could see the bone, you could see it, oh, was, it was horrible. So they they give me injections, and they're they're trying to flush it out as much as possible. Oh my god. Uh, just horrible, horrible. If you can imagine, your finger is where all your nerve endings are. That's where you feel things. Yeah. And yeah, to try and sort of sleep with all that pain going on, it was it was horrible, well, horrible. So, cir- circumcise your finger. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's it's, it's circum fingers. Oh, but um, it's it's good now. It's all wrapped up. Um, I'm not in any pain. Um, but I know it's it's not going to be the same when it's back. Um, I either won't have full feeling in that finger. Which is probably my fault for not going straight to the doctors because to the hospital. Because me and my wife, we just wrapped it up tight, really tight to stop that blood. So essentially, I stopped the blood going to my finger for sort of 36 hours. Um, so when they unwrapped it, they were just like, ah, your finger's like white and it's not changing color. Um, so it slowly is, it's slowly coming back to life a bit. Um, but I, th- I think my guitar days are over because the shape of my finger is, is now to a point. It's, it's, it won't be rounded, it'll be to a point. Which, which, was it in uh, your dominant hand or your... No, it, my left hand, thankfully. Thankfully. But, um, you know, playing guitar, that's, that's where the work's done, with your left hand if you're right-handed. So, yeah, it's a bit of a, bit of a pain. But, you know, it could have been worse. I haven't lost my finger. could have been worse. It was my fault. It could have got silly. gangrene. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I'm quite thankful for that. So Mm, I think I'm going to have to have probably about two weeks off from doing any sort of work, really. Um, But there's a blessing there because I've been able to do some stuff on the website. Um, I've had this this idea for ages of having like a – you see on the the Nike Nike store, you can design your own train there and pick your colors and you get this visual picture of, you know, exactly how it'll look. Um, so I've, I've managed to code together a version for for my knives. So you can pick the wood, you can pick the liner color, you can pick the the pins or bolts, and you get a photograph of exactly that I knife. Love it. 
Um, and it's not it's not rendered. These these are actual photographs that are being brought in each time. So it's not a three D rendering. It's actual real stuff in in, the, in these knives. Um, so I put up a little thing on Instagram so people can see how it looks, um, and it, and it works. So I've got a few things to do. Then I'm going to be putting that configurator on each of the style of knives that I do. So if you're looking for a chef knife, you can buy one of my one of my knives. Which you know I'll I'll pick colours and I'll give it a name like I like I do at the moment. But if you want something completely custom, you can just make your own huh. um you get your picture i get the email coming through saying exactly what they want and i make it so it's, it's far less admin for me going back and forth to people saying you know would you want liners what color liners what bolts do you want and all that kind of thing um so yeah so that's good so i think within about three weeks that'll be up on the site um and i'm launching some some new knives at the same time so that's it's going to be pretty cool so it's given me lots of time to do admin and to focus on the sort of customer experience of buying um, through the website, which is good, but yeah, I'm. Um, I won't be picking my nose anymore with this finger. That's uh, for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> the nose. I, I don't worry about the nose. You got other things. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, Louise. Yeah, I think that I think that uh, emulator, that modulator, I think is a really cool idea. Actually, I used to be in the Volkswagens for a long time, and yeah. uh, I'm still into them. But there used to be this website called Bus Selecta, and you could mm. choose the select the type of Volkswagen. You could choose if it was lifted or dropped or if it had a rake and what kind of colors and all that kind of stuff. And I've yeah. been talking to my brother. I was like, dude, you know what would be fucking sick is if you could do that with a chef's knife. So to ha- just to help give, one, give that customer that, that experience, that interactive experience. Um, but two, like, you know, you could kind of like take photos of different patterns, like especially Damascus patterns and stuff like that. And plop those into profiles and uh, as well same thing with like the wood grain and all that and different handle shapes and stuff like that just to help give people a better idea of what yeah. their their products gonna look like and I I've always thought that would be a really good idea and no. I've I've never found or met anybody who could really put it together and, and but it it's sounds a, like that's I just looked at it right now and it looks like that's exactly what you kind of got going on I think it's cool. Hmm. I saw you when you when you just said I, I I haven't found that guy. I'm pointing at myself saying this guy, but there's no finger there. Yeah, <laughs> just shaking my yeah. fist at myself. <laughs> the, I I long time ago I ordered a knife from Lyol a long time ago and they had that so you could kind mm. of customize how you want. You could customize the knife and then that allowed you to see what it was going to look like. That's always been something that I always thought was just such a great idea. It makes it because you're trying to create if you're trying to create a website that's of interest you you want people to almost have like it's almost like a video game because you can yeah. kind of like create your own knife and then i always thought it'd be great to be able to like because you know people might just sitting at their office and they kind of make their own knife and then almost logging in and kind of like having like a wish list you know kind of like making it more you know designing more of what you want and being able to kind of hold on to that style it's great look that's, we talk about it all the time people say what should i spend my money on you need you know 10 15 grand and you got yourself a kick-ass website that people are going to be, you know, be able to use very easily. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, so it's it's not all bad. It's not all bad. What about you, Jeff? What, what's been uh, I, what you been up to this week? Well, I didn't obviously I didn't win the uh, the the challenge of how ironic can we get on the on the podcast that finger cutting your finger off with a chef's knife might be the most unnecessary uh, irony of all time. So congratulations on that victory. <laughs> Uh, you know, I did a lot of blacksmithing this, this past week and, um, I, 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 uh, it was a very, uh, 
It was a fun week until yesterday, actually. Uh, this is a Memorial Day uh, weekend here in the United States, and which is a really important uh, holiday to re- remember the you know the people who have served on uh, the armed forces and the people we've lost and stuff like that. But you know, yeah. somebody is that, is that Monday? Yeah, but somebody figured out. Hey, listen, let's make this holiday on the first nice weekend of the summer, and let's give us a four day weekend. So what happens is, is a three day weekend, four day weekend. So what happens is is you know this is the start. They consider this the start of the summer. You know, and uh, people a lot of you know you get three-day weekend all of a sudden you can you know do some day drinking on the sunday and people you know they barbecuing the weather's starting to get real nice it's gonna be 86 here in new york today it's it's just everything's beautiful but the problem is is like all of a sudden now you start to get the people saying remember 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 what you know don't barbecue so you know this is about memorial day isn't about barbecuing which i completely agree with so i was at the supermarket last night and I was, uh, my wife's got a friend coming up who's visiting and we thought we'd make a little food for her and I'm going through looking at this and looking at that and this guy, I'd have never met this guy before, he just kind of sidles up to me and he says, remember, it's not about a barbecue. I said, excuse me? I'm, I'm like literally loading my cart up with, with food. I, he says, it's, this is, you know, remember, this weekend isn't just about barbecuing and then he just walked away. And I was like, it was like a, it was like in real life slipping into my DMs, you know. And um, I was like, I was like, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I know. I, I didn't say anything. I was just like, ah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's Memorial Day. It's, just, and I, it was like I'm walking through the rest of the, the supermarket. And I'm like, you know what? I know all about it. I am a super, super. I, I, I have family who, who uh, my father served in World War II, and he died. My uncle served in Vietnam. He actually died of leukemia from Agent Orange. I eulogized him at his funeral. I, I know all about it, and it's like, yes, I understand. You know, just you know, I. It isn't about barbecues. It's about appreciating and 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 honoring the people who give us our liberties. But leave me alone. I know. I'm going to celebrate. I'm going to celebrate by... I deal with a lot of veterans. I'm saluting right now the the Kentucky stooge, Jared Thatcher, who served us proudly. You know, a lot of people... A lot of people served the armed forces. Yeah. And, um, you know, they preserved... They did more than I would have done. You know, you're talking, you're talking to coward number one right here. And, uh, you know... <laughs> but, I mean, you know, like I said... I, <laughs> I my my uncle my uncle I eulogized my uncle who uh, who was honored at the uh, in Washington at the they, you know look you know it was a very sad situation and you know for some reason my family seems to ask me to eulogize people a lot I, I've spoken to three funerals now and um, it's it's bizarre number two email Jeff at fadenlives.com li- for uh, bookings I'm telling you I don't know what happened when I was 19. My, they asked me to, to, to eulogize my grandmother. And I was like, really? You want me to do that? Like, she didn't even like me. And uh, <laughs> she literally, I was just like, are you sure you, this is a good idea? And she's like, no, we want you to read this poem that she wrote about you. I'm like, poem? Ugh. So I did that. And I thought, well, they're never going to ask me to do that again. So then my, my uncle died, who died from leukemia from, uh, from Agent Orange. And he, he and I had a very special relationship. We used to watch baseball games together. And uh, so they asked me to, they asked me to utilize him. I'm like, like, all right, fine. 
no problem. And uh, I made a baseball joke. I made it. Look, I'm going to go for jokes. So uh, I made a very distasteful joke at, at his funeral <laughs> that I thought that I thought would prevent me from ever. You want? I don't know, look. He at my wedding. He he uh, he made a. He was telling a story about how I, we were. It doesn't really matter. But it was it was penis related at my at my at my wedding. And then all of a sudden I was like, all right, I'm going to get him back. I'm going to get him back to his funeral. <laughs> So I, I made a joke about Jesus. how I made a joke about how he was a big baseball fan. We used to watch baseball together. We had a great relationship. And I said, "Look, I want to thank the doctors that uh, the you know I want to thank the doctors because towards the end you gave him so many so much steroids. He ended up looking like Sammy Sosa. That's an American baseball joke somebody got, but it's you know it was a very dis you know the it wasn't great. And then I ended up eulogizing my own father. So which that I made a joke there too." But uh, you know, look, I. Well, that's right. You want to put the fun in funeral? Call me up. Oh, I'll, uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll eulogize your ass. I'll fucking, I'll make it, I'll make it uncomfortable for everybody. And then you'll keep asking me. Any knife-related news this week, Jeff? Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm getting ready to. Actually, this is really funny. So I said before, I'm, I, I, uh, I'm uh, going to be um, taking over the Instagram page of the Culinary Institute of America. So I'm trying to do a lot of stuff to kind of like, you know, not just, you know, just to show the people who follow the Culinary Institute of America and the students and stuff like that, what it takes to kind of go, how knives are made to a certain degree. And I've been doing an uh, integral uh, knife progression. So I've been, I took some mild steel and I did an integral progression and it looks great. And um, I, I just posted a picture just kind of promoting, you know, the CIA sent me, by the way, you know, in regards to, you know, there, I got sent a very long guidelines list in terms of what I can and can't do. So <laughs> they're, uh, they're, they got me, they got me, uh, they got me, it, it, there's not, there's not going to be any wiggle room. Right? I'm not going to make funeral jokes at, uh, on this situation. This is going to be like all biz. So the you funniest. You conveniently lose the list. Uh, no, well, I mean it's like easy. It's like they're gonna give me a temporary password, and they don't like it. They give take away the temporary password. You know, it's like you know, they don't, they want it to be. Look, it's a, it's a it's the high, it's the the best culinary school in the United States, arguably. And and it, you know they're not gonna tolerate you know my horse shit. So I uh, the funny part was the funniest part was. So we and we talked. You and I talked about that before. About you know, I look at their kids. They're gonna go to art. They're gonna go to culinary school. You know, they're gonna be to work in the kitchens. They said a bad word or two. So I posted a little bit of a, you know, they want me to kind of start to promote it. So I promoted it, and, and Don Win, Don, Don Win writes, "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> so, so I'm like, "Yeah, awesome, whatever." So then the Culinary Institute of America responds to Don. Don, we don't we don't talk like that here. Something along those lines. They basically chastise Don for for his language. And that his, made me his so language on your posts. Yeah, about that. but they were joking around. They were joking around, but that made me so happy. I started laughing so hard. The best culinary institute of America is yell is scolding, and then I started telling him, "Yeah, keep getting. Don't let Don get away with his CIA. Don't let him, you know, beat him up a little bit." So the, one of the best culinary schools in America is chastising one of the arguably one of the best knife makers in America on my feed. I was so happy. It was so <laughs> funny. It was so funny. So it was uh, it was really really great, and you know, getting getting stuff cleared up for. Uh, this coming week and there you have it and i went to a concert nice. i went to a concert where i got yelled at at a concert so that may be for what who's the con 
I, the I went my 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 daughter and my wife go to see a lot of concerts and 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 I always usually say no. Ah, hey, you don't want me to go with you. I, I you know, usually what I do is I'll I'll pick them up. Like well, they'll take a train in and I'll and I'll pick them up and and it's nice because at the end of the night you know I get stuff in the car for them and they can sleep in the car. So like they said, we would love you to come one time. I'm like ah, well, next time you go, next time you find a concert you want to go to, I'll go. So they got tickets to see Lizzo. You know who Lizzo is, Morocco? Nope. She's this incredible woman. She's an incredible voice. She's this woman who does... Okay. I mean, it's very similar to Aretha Franklin, like old school R&B. Like, I actually okay. was like... They've gone to some concerts where I was just like, I ain't sitting through this shit. But Lizzo is really great. She's got an incredible voice. She's a big girl. I gotta look it up now. She's a big girl. She's a big old girl. And God bless her. And she's very... She's got a very positive... She's got a very positive... Uh, message towards LGBTQ people and just in general and you know she's a very positive person body positivity blah 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 so I'm having a good time and you know there is like you know a smattering of you know young people in there I mean it's like it literally is like it's like they dropped some LSD and a little bit of Molly on a pile of people and like I mean, it was everybody, you know, everybody and their mother were down there. And I look. So are you there in your chinos and button down shirts? Yeah, you know what? That's the fucking thing. You know, so I said to my daughter, I'm like, you know, listen, I don't want to embarrass you. She's like, I don't know, you'll be fine. So so I end up wearing like a, you know, black shirt and a, like a, you know, like a, a army trench coat. I look like Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver, right? And everybody else looks like, you know, they look like they're ready for the, you know, Pride Parade plus, you know, Molly. You know, it's like they looked, everyone's ready to roll. So um, it was funny because she was super about loving yourself and accepting yourself and accepting other people and accepting other people and being nice to other people. And in this world, we need to be nice to people. It was, it was fine. You know, she wasn't saying anything crazy. And this woman was dancing next to me. And I was just like really standing next to my daughter, letting her do her thing and just kind of like just making sure I got my eye on her. And this woman all of a sudden just like, She's dancing and she pops me in the face like as hard oh, as she didn't mean to. She was just going out of her <laughs> mind. She was whatever. She popped me in the face. And I was like, oh, gee, it was so stunning to be like straight across the face. And then she looked at me and then she shrugged her shoulders and went back dancing. I was like, you didn't listen to this woman at all. You didn't listen to Lizzo. Lizzo told you to be nice. And here's what you, and then did that cap it all off? So she, the whole, every song, you know, be nice to people, be understanding of people. This is how we, you know, make a better world and blah, 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 blah. So I turn to my wife, I'm like, listen, I'm going to go to the bathroom. It's The show's almost over and I'll meet you towards the front. Because I want to get the bathroom in, you know, before the concert's going, you know. So so I head towards... Sensible dad, yeah. I said, to, you know, I'm like, I'll meet you towards the front and we'll get the hell out before of here. the big rush. Right. So I go to the bathroom and all of a sudden these people start screaming at me. Fake fan, fake fan. I was like, "What the fuck is going on here? None of, you, none of you people have been listening to what Lizzo says. Be nice. I, I can't go to the bathroom. I gotta hold to be a real fan. You gotta like be miserable. I didn't have an Arizona iced tea bottle on me, and I'm sure it wouldn't have been appropriate if I did. I mean, it was. Bullied, I, I mean, it was just like I said to my and my wife was just like, "How'd you like the concert?" I'm like, oh, you know, like, concert's great. She's fantastic. I liked her. I liked what she had to say, but none of her goddamn fans listened to her. I got punched in the face and I got yelled at for leaving to the bathroom. <laughs> so that's my week. There you go. Oh my god, we get two that's hugs. Hilarious. I mean, it, what? people are crazy. You get yelled at, punched. Fine. My liberty was my my uh, my my. Uh, Patriotism was questioned, which I didn't appreciate either. All right, that's the end of that.
Before we move on, Ugh. I want to talk about one of our sponsors, Clarix Metalworks. Um, so I've got one of their grinders, um, and we've got a special deal with them, so you can get 5% off one of their grinders. And their grinder is the BG Pro, and it's the version 2. It's fantastic. It's super flexible. It's very well-priced, very well-priced. Um, but you can get an extra 5% off if you use the promo code KNIFETALK5, and that's at clarixmetalworks.com. And what I would say is, even if you're in the US, take a look, because their shipping rates are super cheap. So it's worth taking a look. So clarixmetalworks.com, 5% off a grinder with Knife Talk 5, and it'll be the best purchase you make today. Love it. Boom. Shall we get on with the show? Yeah. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> All right, this part of the show, this is the, ba- this is the body of the show, really. This is the Q&A. You know, everybody's got questions. Uh, sometimes we got answers. We're, we're here to try to help you out. Uh, and really quick, I just want to give some love to Jeff because he does a really good job of kind of putting it, putting it out there, getting you guys' questions and collating everything for the show for for this portion. So thank you, yeah. Jeff. It's very nice and of you to say that. I don't want to be helpful at all. So I like to help you guys. You, but the you people say who that, listen, but you are. But the people so who listen, shut up. I ain't for you. I'm for you guys. <laughs> I'm for you guys. All right. I'm going to kick it off with uh, a question from Mr. Mike DePel. He says, uh, why do people in boats always wave at you like they know who you are? It sounds like, <laughs> it sounds it like an be- East Coaster problem. No, 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 no. People do that. You're on a boat, you wave. Yeah. And then when you see, yeah. you're on the land, you see people on the boat, you wave too. It's bizarre. It's, it's like a, a hey, it's like I'm a magnetic. A so are you. It's like a magnetic response. It's just bizarre. When I was in Paris, we were on, uh, we were on a boat going down the Seine. Uh, we would watch that. That is some uh, people leave their office. They go to the Seine. They bring some wine, some food, some beer, whatever, and they sit where they dangle their legs over the side of the Seine, and then they wave to the boats. They wave to the boats. But one guy pulled his pants down and, sh- and shot us the full moon and like his body's buddy. That was like, I was like, ah, that, like, that's much better. So Mike, pull your pants down. And that's, that's how you stop that. That's how you stop that waving. Yeah. Undisputed the, champ, by the way, Mike DePel. Back in the day before I started making knives, when I had money, um, we used to- <laughs> In a fingertip. In a fingertip. Yeah, in a fingertip. I used to have a small yacht, and we, you know we'd go out sailing on the weekends oh. and so on. But other boat owners are worse. So if you're passing another boat, they're going to wave at you. So me and my friend Chris, who he lives in the states now, actually, we used to come up with these crazy waves. You know, like a, a double hander wave, and you know, it's sort of double holding hands waving together, that kind of thing, just to see if they'd copy. They always would. So. Boat owners are actually worse. Oh, oh my God. The yachtsman. Yachtsman yeah. uh, Lockwood. Fifth Avenue. <laughs> Fifth, <laughs> Fifth Avenue Craig's back. Actually, actually, it's worse. It's worse. I used to have um, an old Mini, you know, the, the Mini cars, yeah. but like the old version, not these these new ones now. The Aston Martin. And it, was, it, it had the Union Jack roof and had the stripes on the bonnet, you know, but this was like really yeah. old, lots of chrome on it and stuff like that. But driving past another mini owner, they'd lose their shit. They'd be beeping, they'd be uh, waving. Yeah, that's weird. My, somebody in the same car as you driving and waving. That's bizarre. My mother-in-law has a mini, and, and every time she uses a mini, she like loses her fucking mind to the point where I was like, you know, you're gonna drive that. You're gonna drive us into a pole. She's uh, like goes crazy. There's another mini, and then starts swerving <laughs> on the road, and then it's like, you put your hands on the wheel, just relax. It's a fucking car. Don't kill us. It's weird. It's, Weird. W- People like I, to feel they're part of a community, don't they? Damn right. no community, sure. They're going to make one. 
when I uh, when I drove Volkswagens, it was the same thing. But it was it was a very big part of the the if you own a like an old Volkswagen too, like a vintage one, yeah. um, you always are giving the peace sign to everybody. And I've seen motorcyclists do it too. They do like a couple fingers down to the side as they pass each other when they say they're basically saying what's up to each other. Hey. Yeah. I ride a motorcycle, and so do you. You know, and now you're like me. Now, when Craig gives somebody the peace I'm sign with, with his chopped fingers, you're gonna look like he's giving them the finger. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Next one is from Elusian Blade Arts. Hey cuties, let me ask you a question. As a maker with no name looking to start selling work, what platform would you recommend using to sell to customers? He's saying make a website to use Etsy or both. And he says, thanks, I'm with you. What do you think? Yeah. I, I think that I think that I think that a lot of these things is it's everything is consistency. And whether you gotta find out who your market is, who the people you're you're trying to sell to, and then go towards them. We had a few things on Etsy. It didn't really, I mean, we just, I mean, it was like putting a, a lot of fishing lines out in the water. I mean, we got a couple hits, but it was like Etsy didn't really make it happen for us. Uh, for us, it's been constantly, you know, every so every other day, putting something on Instagram every other day, being consistent, not having to like crush people all the time. But like, mm. that's what promotion is. Promotion is just constantly saying something, constantly being there. I'm still here, reminding people you're there, using yeah. using hashtags in a manner that's a, trying to up up hit the people that your target audience is and then capture them on your website. I, I'm not a, I'm not an Etsy fan. I know that uh, we've used them in the past. Etsy doesn't do it for me. I don't think that, uh, but that's my opinion. I think, you know, using social media as a vehicle for promotion, but not like overdoing it, but like promoting as I'm selling these knives and here's where you can get them. I think that's yeah. the best move. And I'm not, that's what works yeah. for us. And that's free. That's free. So uh, yeah. at the minimum, I think everybody should be Except doing that. Except for your soul. It takes, sucks your soul. Well, sucks your just soul a bit. Out. But, you know, see what you're good at. You know, if you're very good at, at photography, you know, perfect Instagram. Um, if photography isn't your strong, your strong thing, get somebody who is. Get them to take a bunch of photos for you. And that will last you a fair few weeks then of posting. Um, but, yeah, I mean, a website, is, it, it's it, – it's the way you can tell your story. It's the way you you can sell your product. But it's also how you can capture. If that's the net that pulls in the fit that you land the fish. And using yeah. using like a company like I mean I'm not they have nothing to do with them except for we use them. Square Squarespace does give you a really very user friendly uh, interface with your you know your sales platform and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's cheap. Yeah. It's a small monthly fee. They'll do the hosting and they'll give you this interface you can you can you know do stuff with. And if you don't know how to, how to do it. One of your buddies, well, or you know, a family member will be able to help you to get something basic up. As long as people can contact you, they can see pictures of your work and they can contact you. That's the minimum, and and you can be away from there. Yeah, I mean, I I second all of everything you guys have said. Um, Instagram has definitely been the biggest flow of customers for me, um, and I think part of the part of the reason is people are using it more, like in almost kind of like an image search in a way. Um, like people used to Google image search, and a lot of people still Google image search, but now people use Instagram almost in a way, the same, mm. in the same context. Um, and so there's, there's a good, you know, the more of the stuff of your stuff you have out there, more pictures of your process or your work, 
um, the more likely people are going to find you. But I think when it comes to creating content and figuring out where to do your stuff, um, um, also, it, it, which is a big part of the whole marketing aspect, it's I think you, you, the best advice I ever heard was from Gary Vaynerchuk, um, Jeff's favorite guy. Um, is my is lips that, are sealed? I'm with him. My <laughs> lips are sealed. Uh, well, and his advice is, is you know, just, especially when you're first starting out, don't pigeonhole yourself. Try everything. It might be exhausting, but, you know, maybe you're really great at video. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're really great at writing. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're really good at photography, audio, whatever. It's like, you got to try everything. And once you find, and maybe you already have an idea of what you're good at, and maybe you can focus a little bit more there. But I think right now in the in the time we live in, uh, creating content, which means, you know, something entertaining, something educational, kind of like what we do here with the podcast, something that's helpful to people, um, is the greatest way to kind of start creating, creating those connecting connections, creating, uh, content that's, uh, allows people to kind of escape their everyday life through something visually, uh, you know, aesthetically pleasing, like through your photographs of your finished work on Instagram, um, but yeah, I think, I think don't, especially when you're new and starting, and even if you're established, I think continuing to experiment and trying different platforms is always a good idea. Um, but I, I think having a website is essential. I think have, hey, being part of Instagram essential. is essential. And so, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it, as we say, it doesn't need to be expensive. You know, Jeff's mentioned, right. you know, your 10, 12 grand website. It doesn't need to be that at all. This can be your five ninety nine a month website. It can, yeah. As long as it gets you up there, your product and your details. Um, you know, it, it, we, I just mentioned that if, you, if you're no good at photography, you could be doing maybe your brand a bit of harm. Um, so if that's the case, get somebody who is, and you know, it can be cheap. It can be just, it doesn't need to be professional. Yeah. You can just be a buddy who knows what he's doing. So yeah, yeah. take it. From, it, you don't need to spend a lot of money. I think that's the main thing. Take it from captain Lockhart, Lockwood, take it from captain Lockwood, the yachtsman. All right. <laughs> All right. Hey, listen, this is, uh, Man it's, of been, the people. it's been uh, 45 <laughs> minutes and we're finally going to talk about knives. And this one comes from, uh, Sean Lazama. How do I get started with pattern welded steel? What are the minimum equipment and techniques to start? <laughs> also, if you could describe the process from start to finish. <laughs> Go ahead. Morocco. Oh, is this me? Is no, this me? No, I, I mean, it's like, it's like anything else. I mean, what do I got to do? What else we got to do? Jeez Louise. Please <laughs> yeah. describe you gotta take a class. detail from start to finish. Yeah. <laughs> Sean. I, Sean, I'm I telling you this with peace and love. Yeah, you gotta go take go a class. Ahead. You gotta go take a class. You gotta He's, learn. With, I mean, there are people out there who've learned on their own, but there are, part of the reason they've been able to do that is because there are lots of resources out there, and they are very resourceful makers. Um, but I think if you're gonna try to do it on your own, you need some sort of heat source, at least a coal forge but probably more ideally a propane forge of some sort. Either you buy one, you make one yourself. There's also resources on how to do that out there in the world. Um, but that's that's a pretty... And then that's when the, it comes that's to... That's just the tip of the iceberg. It's just, oh, yeah, it's, that's just the tip. And, you know, you need a hammer and a surface to hammer against. You don't necessarily want to be using rocks, <laughs> hitting the steel between rocks. But um, I, I would really suggest taking a class. Because 
as much as much as I think a lot of people maybe, and I know I would too. I, I've taken only a couple classes before myself, and it's because they can be expensive. But this is an investment in your future, in your education, and you could spend years trying to figure this out, or you could take one weekend class and you could have it right away. Well, it propels so you. Gotta figure you. out that balance. What's that? It propels you. All these classes. Oh, for sure. And it's not, you know, I've taken classes and I thought, all right, now I know how to do this. It, it that it's just the, it's the, it's like when you go to the gym and you know you don't, you know, you get a trainer and he shows you how to do everything. All of a sudden, you're not, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger, but now you have the the you have the technique that you can kind of be more efficient in regards to how to go about it. The, I'm sorry for laughing, Sean. I, I understand where you're at, and, and I, I, I just we get this all the time. And one of the real issues is, and this is an issue that a lot of people have, especially the schools, is people, and there's nothing wrong with learning from YouTube. There's nothing wrong, for, uh, wrong from watching a video. There's nothing wrong with it. A lot of people don't have access to the schools. There's hopefully going to be in the near future with the shows like Forge and Fire, there will be more schools. But physical physical uh contact with other teachers who are going to show you how to do this stuff it's night and day more important than all the equipment you need to buy because you can buy all that equipment but if you don't want to use it they're just giant paperweights the most important thing is having a strong understanding so you're not wasting your time and your energy because there was a time where I didn't have a, a power hammer and I was actually talking to uh, the Center for Metal Arts about, uh, this is a, a couple years ago, if I could rent space to use their power hammers. There's there's ways in which you can go about doing it. Um, you have to be creative, you have to be inventive, but there's it's this, I'm for learning on, the, on YouTube, 100%. I learn a lot of stuff on YouTube. But stuff like forging uh, Damascus, forging integral knives... Forging, just in general, you cannot learn how to do it by watching a video, yeah, or listening well, to instructions on a podcast. <laughs> well, and to have that coach, that teacher, standing right next to you, giving you real time feedback as you're doing it, and saying, "Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa!" Before you get too far, you need to think about this or address that. Um, that's that's huge, um, and that and that's something you will not get. By watching a video on YouTube or listening to us on podcasts or reading something, uh, it's it's helpful to be informed. But I think taking a cor- course with an experienced Damascus maker um, is it's, is definitely the the way to go. You need to be able and people. I try to explain this to people about blacksmithing in general. When you do it enough, you can feel how the steel moves through the hammer into your hand. Like I can, when I'm holding the hammer, how I hit, I can feel how things are moving through the, you, you, that's something that you can't learn any other way. You know, the finesse, the little things that like, there's just the very little things that you, you know, you understand. And, um, you know, look, you go to the center, go to the center for metal arts, new England school of metalwork, anything with the ABS, they have opportunities to, for hammer-ins for classes down in Arkansas Guys are guys are. I would think that there's going to be more people teaching classes sooner rather than later, but it's so critical. It's so critical, yeah. and that's all I got to say. Well, and also the other benefit of taking a class is that you now have a direct relationship with somebody who's going to be an incredible resource to you uh, as you continue on in your knife making. 
and uh, as well as me, especially if you have a class with several other people, um, you know, the, those are more potential friends for life at that point. Uh, I took one class up at the New England School of Metalwork, and it was kind of an intensive class. We are there solidly for two weeks, uh, living in the dorms, and it was kind of like going to forge camp. And now I'm friends with uh, everybody except for one guy who's kind of a grumpy old Oh, uh, oh, buzzard oh, who boy. who oh, did boy. not spend any time interacting with any of us. Oh boy, he's there just for the just for the education. He left. He don't listen to the podcast, uh, do he? I don't give a shit if he lives and oh, listens to the podcast. Oh snap! So Sean, I don't go meet. Na- I don't even remember his name. <laughs> uh, I got a feeling you do. I got a feeling you do. Uh, you don't. You don't. You don't forget those guys. Should we head on to the next question? Yeah. All right. So this next one is from LJ Penn. He says, also, when bedding the tang, how do you get the wax out of the tang hole uh, so it does not mess up the glue up? Um, so I know that when I've done the bedded tang, and I've had people ask me this question, if I'm concerned about the wax. Um, and I'm sorry for interrupting. What, well, Let's just do a quick, yeah. like super, super quick rundown of what is bedding the tang. Just in case oh, someone's okay, this yeah. little time, first time listening to the podcast, maybe they haven't listened to the episodes where we talked about it. Sure. Just a super quick rundown of what that is. Yeah, so we have, like Jeff said, we've talked about it in past episodes. Uh, but basically, what bedding the tang is is you cut in the slot into your if you're especially if you're doing a hidden tang construction. Actually, this is basically for hidden tang construction. But you cut out your slot in your handle material. Uh, what I do is I drill a couple. Uh, neighboring holes, and then I break the web between them. Usually that slot um, is oversized for the tang, and and, and the fit-up can be kind of sloppy. So what you can do is take up and uh, that extra space and create a, a much snugger fit by essentially filling the, that cavity with epoxy and then uh, temporarily putting your hand or the, the gluing the tang into the to the into the salt into the handle material and but before you put the tang in you uh what i've what i've started doing and this is thanks to nick wheeler um is put a, a very thin coat of uh paste wax on the tang material any part of the 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 blade in the in the hand uh, and the, the knife that's going to come into contact with the epoxy because um one um the 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 paste wax for whatever reason does not allow the epoxy to actually set up when it's in contact with it um and then two it actually allows for easy removal um of the tank cuz you can gently heat up or sometimes just uh slide the knife right back out of the handle but usually you have to heat it up just a little bit to help break loose that uh that wax and so it slides back out so the concern um, that this person, uh, that LJ Penn is putting forward is, you know, is it going to mess with my final glue up? And I've actually had a few people ask me about that. And what I actually go back do is I go back into, uh, that tang slot with kind of a brooch kind of tool, which is essentially, it's a sawzall blade that I ground down to fit inside the tang slot. And I kind of go in and rough things back up a little bit. Not so much, and I don't get too crazy, so that it doesn't key in properly. But I go back in and rough it up, and scrape things out so that uh, less of that wax is in there, but then also so that there's kind of a rough textured surface for that new 
epoxy to kind of bite into and grab onto. Um, part of part of my, the benefit of my through tank construction is that um, it actually bolts on from the bottom. It's mechanically my handles are mechanically affixed to the blade from the bottom of the handle, so it's captured between my integral bolster and that and that through tank that bolt, or I guess the nut of the through tank construction. Um, so that's ultimately never going to be a concern. But I think just going in and um, roughing things up will be really plenty. And also, when you're ready for the final glue-up, you want to cut little teeth or little notches into your tang. So that also gives something for the epoxy to kind of fill up and kind of act as kind of teeth that keep the tang potentially from sliding uh, out, of, out of the handle. Um, so something really quick I've started thinking about doing is actually doing a partial um, bedding. So instead of filling the entire cavity up, um, just using a little bit of epoxy or possibly even using, uh, this is actually something my shopmate Peter Swarsberg just did recently, is he used um, JB Weld Epoxy Putty. So it's like a two-part epoxy putty and you just kind of mold them and, and warm them up and mix them together and fold it and kind of knead it together. And then you build up the opening, and that way it's only captured actually just at the top. The rest of the cavity is left empty. So that when you go and do your final glue up, um, and you would want to have to cut just a tiny little channel into that uh, JB Weld putty epoxy, um, because the hydraulic pressure when you go to shove the tang in there is going to want is going to create a potentially a lot of pressure. So if you cut a little slot uh, in that little opening, then that will give that extra epoxy somewhere to go. Um, but then that way you have all epoxy engagement locking in and gluing up uh, on the handle or on your tang of your material in that tang slot, and you don't have to worry about any wax or any of that kind of other stuff. So. There you That's go. what I got. There you go. There, there it is. Full on answer. Alpha Scrappy asks about hand fatigue or arthritis in the hands. How do you all combat it becoming a problem? Or what do you do to help treat it? Either uh, of you have problems with the hands at all? I, I take horse tranquilizers like Craig. Oh. <laughs> it's the only way. <laughs> you know, I, I recently started rebuilding my... Uh, um, my hand sanding sticks because I feel like they were putting pressure on parts of my hand that made it uh, not ergonomic and it, I got sure. I got it was it, it's not as comfortable as it could be um, but uh, I I don't have problems with hand sanding or I don't have problems with arthritis I mean my hands hurt sometimes but I think a lot of that's also you know a little Motrin at night or maybe and you know I think you need to kind of build up the callus I, that's yeah. the that's the question you get when you know this might be your first time doing it. Sometimes it sucks, you know. I don't know what to yeah. tell you. But also, some some makers are getting into it later in life, and maybe they already have some issues with arthritis. I think one of the best things that I've did is I used to use just like a tiny little file and holding on to that file and a sandpaper wrapped around it and really trying to you know, handsy and grind away aggressively, it did, like, my hands would cramp up, and I realized, like, it's because I'm trying to hold on to this tiny-ass sanding stick, yeah. and again, thanks to Nick Wheeler and watching some of his videos, he's, by the way, go check him out on YouTube if you don't know who he is, Nick Wheeler's the best, 
And uh, he's got tons of tips and tricks that he shares through his YouTube channel and his Instagram. But anyways, his hand sanding sticks have kind of like larger handles. And I was like, oh my God, that makes more sense. Instead of holding on to this tiny thing and straining your hands to hold on to something small, you got these big old handles wrapped around this hand sanding stick. And that makes it so much easier to do the hand sanding. And also it, it makes it easier to put leverage or create leverage when you're hand sanding and to really lean into the to each pass. And so the biggest thing I've uh, the biggest thing I've done to help myself is have larger handles on my hand sanding sticks. So thank you, I, Nick Wheeler. I actually made a, a push stick that was like uh, the end of it was a uh, the end of it was very bulbous for like almost like a, a oyster knife, and it's so so oh, I yeah, thought sure. it would be more comfortable for me. But and I was so I was, I was cutting, I was using it all day, and I don't know what I made it thinking. Ah, this is great. It was like a doorknob almost, you know. And then that, that night, my hand, I, my hand fell asleep for the entire night. And then the next morning, I couldn't feel my hand. I'd, I'd like pushed on a pressure point in my hand, and I like, I mean, I like killed my hand for like sixteen hours. It was a little scared. Got a little nervous. I, I was like, "Why? What? I can't move my fucking hand. What the hell's going on with my hand?" It was because I'd, you know, I hit a pressure point. I guess I was all day long with this. For lack of a better term, knob in my hand. <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I kill my hand. Kill my hand. Now we're good. I'd say find find that that point where it's hurting, whether it's on a certain machine or whether it's doing a certain action, and and everybody's got the little hacks for doing things. So my what I hate in the shop is my my drill press and my chuck key. Turn it. I've got like small hands, and they're they're pretty weak. Smaller hands. now. I got. They're smaller now. So I've, I've got very weak hands and weak ankles. I call my ankles wankles. Weak ankles. Weak, weak ankles. You know, weak ankles. You weak ankles. You weak. Seriously, I have. I have. But I was having issues with my Fucking chuck and my egg. chuck key. I could never get it tight enough. I could never undo it. And it was just always a pain. So what I ended up doing is just um, the, the chuck key where you've got that, that rod where you, you can turn. I just welded on an extra, a longer rod. So you've got that extra sort of leverage. Yeah. Um, so that's one example of finding something that you know works for you. But mm. you know, find out where where the pain is, what what you're doing, or what machine it is, and and you know, adapt and overcome. There you go, weak ankle, Craig. Got the right wankles. answer. Wankles, <laughs> fucking wankles. That's not bad. <laughs> sorry for you. Okay, the next one comes from Oblivion Blades. Hey, ladies. Interested to hear what you guys think about wet or dry sanding blades when hand finishing. I use WD-40 for carbon steel and Windex for stainless, as I like the way the lube cleans swarf from the paper. There you go. He likes a little bit of lube when he's hand sanding. Mm. I like to go wet. I use yeah, the, I the blue window cleaner, you know? <laughs> This is, this, is, this is a minefield of, of potential penis jokes. Yeah. Mine. But I know you two both do it different, didn't you? So at Morocco, you I... tend to go in dry. Is that oh, right? Mama lotion. We're in trouble. Oh, God. <laughs> Jeff likes, oh, likes lubrication. No! That's all I'm saying. <sighs> Am I right? Is, is that the I, way you both I actually, I, I learned from, I don't know who was, uh, Aaron Goff. He used like soapy water or something like that. I, I, I try, I like it. I do use Windex sometimes. I do use uh, uh, WD-40 sometimes. But I started. I listened to what Mareko says. He never uses anything. And I started doing that, and I felt like I was getting more out of. Um, I was getting more out of the sandpaper 
by just uh, actually, Mareko, I started use, doing your sandpaper trick. So I started cutting small pieces of Rhinoet and then using a, a, a glued, I uh, do the, the paper spray onto my oh, sanding yeah. stick. And I've been doing, I do exactly the way you do it. And I tell you what, your move is a very good move. I think I've saved myself a lot of paper. But uh, nice. I, I listen to what Mareko says. What I'm running with Mareko says, I do what he does. <laughs> um, but I've actually had a lot of people ask me why I handstand dry instead of uh, with some sort of lubricant. And the biggest reason is because I'm relying on that adhesive. And if I'm using WD-40, Windex, whatever, that means the, the surface of my hand sanding stick is going to get all yeah. wet or oily and the abrasive or the adhesive is not going to stick. But I also, in general, I had never really noticed much of a difference or an advantage. I used to do, uh, with WD-40, I used to hand sand. I, I don't really feel, feel much difference. And so, um, I, I just throw on my respirator and I get hand sanding and it works just fine for me. So, um, but I think ultimately people should just do whatever makes them happy and whatever makes them, you know, what, what they think feels like they're getting the most work out of because ultimately that's what it's about. But for me, dry, dry is what works for me. And I like it. That's it. Cool. Yeah. Uh, let's see. This next one is from, uh, handsome Mick. He says, hey, you cuties. I'm from Can- uh, Canadian. Oh, wait, Canadian? Canadia. Canada. <laughs> Fucking Canadia. He's from Canadia. <laughs> I'm from Canadia, and I live up north in Prince George. <laughs> I'm just in the process of laying my foundation for my Wii shop and would like some advice on arranging my large tools. I have my forge, anvil, hydraulic press, and grinder. Any suggestions? You guys rock. Jeff. Spelled with a J, always Fine. has me laughing on my way to work. Well, there you go. Um, All I mean, yeah. I think it depends on this, the actual the size of all these different machines, but that's what I had in my my shop before I went to Dragon's Breath Forge, and I only had 500 square feet. And I think I think the biggest thing anybody can do for themselves is. Uh, in a in a knife making shop is try to isolate your grinding if you can or or have some really good air circulation going through because that's gonna kick up dust all over the damn place and um so have some 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 sort of air circulation or dust collection that would make a huge difference um but other than that i think just you know whatever suits your workflow i don't have any good answers for these people i do whatever you makes you happy if- <laughs> I, you know what? That's my favorite answer. Whatever you want. I do like Whatever my forging want. stuff. If you have a big door, I do like the forging stuff closest to a door, an open door. Oh, I yeah, just sure. like the air. I like. I don't want to be tight. I don't want to be tight into a corner with forging. It is nice to feel like you have a little bit of room. Uh, having, I don't, know, I, I know that that's how Alec and Will have their shop set up, where there's a big bay door and all the forging stuff is coming yeah. closer to the door. Uh, that yeah. center for metal arts used to be the same way. We were kind of we had a back big back room with a big door, and we were kind of closer. To, it was clo- things were closer with the airflow. Um, generally, that's what I like. I like having a little when I'm forging. I like more light. I like a lot more yeah, light. If, I like airflow. If you got a problem, you just kick it out the door. 
I actually, you know what, that reminds me. When I first started the Center for Mental Arts, I didn't really know any. I wouldn't. I was just a. I was a. Uh, you know, a welder or whatever. Not even. Not, I mean, not even really a great welder. And I saw these guys. They were taking. Uh, they were taking all. They were quenching their chisels. They were making tiny little drifts and chisels. And I saw them heating up these chisels, these little chisels, and sticking them in oil. I was like, I don't know what they're doing. I had no idea. So like, I had some time, and uh, so I, I opened up the back door, and I, we had the forge going. I'm like, let me, let me. I got I made a little chisel, a tiny little, you know, it was like quarter inch, you know, a quarter inch chisel, nothing as special chisels. I heated it up, and I got a uh, a little a little cup. I filled it with motor oil. I put it in the back, and I dropped this hot chisel into the motor oil. Well, number one. The fucking chisel knocked the can of oil over, and then I had a conflagration of fire outside the shop of black <laughs> smoke. And I was like, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was just like, ah, I dropped this hot piece of steel in this little cup of cup of motor oil. There was, I, it was like a, it was literally like I had poured uh, napalm outside the shop and black smoke's coming up and all I can think of is I'm about to get fired I'm about to get fired I'm kicking it I'm putting dirt over it I'm doing what the fuck are these guys putting their steel in the oil for what the what am I doing and I was grateful that it was outside when I had to do it because I mean it was literally like I mean I was waiting for the fire department to come because it was like tons of black smoke from this burning motor oil it was the stupidest thing I'm like hey no one needs oil anymore I was so stupid it was the stupidest thing yeah, go ahead. We, we should have a new, we should have a new segment called "Hey man, why are you doing that?" Yeah, that, that was way, a, if yeah, you yeah. if you ask somebody, "Hey, why are you doing that?" You would have known why. You hey, what do you think? You're, what do you think you're doing? What do you think you're doing? That would have been a good. And luckily for me, everybody was. Yeah, the boss was on another floor, and John Ledford, oh the lead God. man, was in another room, and I was able to kick it out. And luckily, <laughs> it was only like a cup of a cup of motor oil, but I lit that motherfucker on fire, and I had the I had the grass was on fire. It was black smoke was coming out. All over. Thank shit. God, you it was only been like fired. Oh, I should have been fired. No question. What are you doing? What do you think you're doing? Oh, I'm starting a fire outside the shop, obviously. What does it look like I'm doing? I'm fucking heat treating a chisel, I think. I don't know. I'm just oh. dropping hot steel into oil. What do you what do you think I'm doing? What does it look like? So stupid. It was so stupid. I didn't and I still didn't and I didn't even ask why I did it. I didn't even ask what was I trying to do. I didn't even know what the fuck it was mild steel. I dropped hot mild steel to a cup of oil and I thought that was gonna be a good idea. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There you go. Oh. With, with regards to sort of ergonomics of a shop, um, my shop isn't big at all. And, you know, I don't do any forging. All my stuff is stock removal. But I found in the last few weeks, whilst working through larger batches, that I've changed things around. So what I like to do is I have my my grinder and all the grinders on the drill press and all that, up sort of quite high, but on, on one long, long bench. So I can just, you know, a couple of steps and I'm up to the next machine and so on. But just behind me, um, so I'm talking just about maybe three foot or maybe, yeah, probably about three foot, maybe a meter or so. Um, I have my big bench, um, which is, you know, no, normal bench height. So when I've got materials that I need, I can literally just turn around, pick them up. Then I'm on my grinder, turn around, pick them up, I'm on my grinder. So I'm not spending ages walking back and forth. I'm not looking for bits, thinking, where have I put that? Where have I put that? I know it's just behind me. And what I tend to be doing is sort of bracing myself. Um, to this bench as well behind me. I can sort of lean back onto it and, yeah, it just really works. So, again, you don't have to have a big shop. It can be quite small, 
And that's, you know, it's it's difficult to keep tidy when it's small. Um, but I think if you've got a big shop, you're just going to fill it with more crap anyway. To, that's... to quote my sister, who is a, I, I respect as a sculptor and a smart person, when it comes to your shop, she used to say to me, don't shit it up with crap. That hmm. was, don't shit it up with crap. Leave the snowblower somewhere else. Don't, don't yeah. put the stuff, keep it simple. Unlike our friend, I know our friend, uh, my my buddy Chris Zepp at Make Everything Shop, he got more tools than you know what to do with. I can't live like that. I need less is more. Get rid of the stuff you don't need. You, you know, you, the less is more. Don't shit it up with crap. Mm. There you go. Yeah. Howlin' Wolf Forge asks, hey man, can I ask you a question? Would you rather scribe, measure, an all-round mathematify? And he says that's a real word because he used to be a maths teacher. Um, every single knife or do you do it by eye? It's a good question, that, because I've changed massively over the years. But what about you guys? Are you, are you doing much scribing and measuring, or do you, you sort of got it down now? I, I've you... always basically kind of done things by eye. Hmm. Um, I don't, I don't, you know, I calculate for the perfect balance. Or uh, the only thing I really measure is, uh, or is to check my geometry. Uh, when I first started playing with the Esperant geometry or just my geometry in gen- general on my chef's knives, I always had a target range, but I, I hit that pretty consistently now, so I just kind of double-check to make sure I'm in there. Um, but the biggest the biggest key I've been finding more and more is to check just by actually cutting stuff. So um, I, I've kind of started to get away from miking out the cutting edge and the, the blade and everything. Um, yeah, but yeah. I, I I was actually talking to Josh Smith the other day, and I was like, "Man, if I couldn't use my hands or I couldn't see, I'd be straight screwed." Because yeah. oh really? I mean, obviously in life there's no or way just you can knife make... making. No, <laughs> <laughs> in life, but obviously you can't make yeah. knives any either way. Or if my eyesight started to go, like I I rely so heavily on just I like eyeballing everything and the way everything feels that I'd be screwed if any any. If I, you know, if I lost my fingertip on my left hand, or if I, my eyesight, or like, I almost got the fucking bolt shot into my left, my right eye the other day, when I was buffing that thing, um, buffing a knife, uh, you know, that would have really, that would have really screwed me up. Yeah. And so. Not just I, knife making, life would be, fat- it's kind of tough. Yeah, I mean. I'd be walking around with the pirate patch on my end. Yeah. No offense to anybody that has to do that. Yeah. Don't offend but any people with one eyes. I'm sorry. All those Cyclops <laughs> listeners out there, we're sorry. <laughs> Jesus. I When I stock removal, I template everything. Uh, there is a degree when profiling, I do, you know, I'm, I'm able to kind of replicate um, my, uh, my knives. Uh, I do use templates. For the profiling and stuff like that. Recently, I've been doing a lot more forging. I've been really focusing on really trying to get my blacksmithing back together. And the funny thing is, is for like, especially when I was doing bottle openers and I'm doing more forging and I'm really doing everything I can to spend, you know, every day, a couple hours or every, you know, a couple days a week, a couple hours of forging. A lot of times it's hard for me to get um, to the point. I'm, I'm focusing on good transitions and good forging. I would like to get to the point where I could guarantee the exact same profile on 
my knives when I forge them. I'm not at that point in terms of my efficiencies of where my stops are going to be. I'm going to start to more, do more uh, process temp, uh, templates to where I need to go um, for forging stuff. Like when I, I started doing that with my bottle opener so I could do consistent bottle openers by hand without, uh, I got, you know, calipers uh, calipers here and measuring sticks here and little kind of devices to help me figure out how long to kind of forge things out and i want to start to incorporate that more with um you know stops like stops that figure out where i need to go for each particular step so i can make forge knives much more on the money in terms of um exact to the same so in regards to that right now i'm you know i'm doing a little bit of both hmm yeah. I mean, when I first started out, I was measuring everything all of the time. But now I'm much more, like, like Jeff said, with the stock removal stuff. I've got templates that I can just sort of use them each time. The only sort of measurement and scribe that I'm still doing now is um, the center line for when I start grinding. So that's all after heat treat for me. Clean that up, and I do, I, I'll scribe that center line. Um, but the rest, yeah, it's it's all templates and an and, and eye, really. Um, and I think that the more time that you do it, the more you'll rely on these things. And, you know, jig set up in a certain way so you always hit the same mark, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, good question. Good question. Yeah. All right, before we get any further along, I just want to give a shout-out to our sponsor, Combat Abrasives. Uh, they've been really great sponsors of the show. They have a sweet discount that'll save you 10% if you go to their combatabrasives.com. Put in Knife Talk 10. They'll save you 10% on anything you get from them. They offer uh, epoxies, handle materials, but most of all, their abrasives, their shredders are, I mean, they haven't sanctioned this statement, but I'm going to say that they're the shit. Um, and <laughs> <laughs> I love them. They're so good. And, um, and, and, but they all, you know, they got everything up. They also have those scallop belts. Uh, they have the scalp belts that really help you get into those tight contours. Uh, they actually take those up to 600 grit, which I don't think really anybody else does. Um, so go to combatabrasives.com. You can save yourself 10% on anything you get from them with the promo code KNIFETALK10. They're also going to be a blade show. Uh, they're going to be... Uh, actually, they're going to have some a few knife makers there, RPM Neal. Kyla Cummings, Andreas Kalani, I think uh, Mr. Fader is probably going to make a, a, a visit there. I'm actually going to be hanging out there too, I think. And uh, so if you guys go to Blade Show, make sure you go check them out, see the abrasives in person, and, uh, and come say what's up to some of us. But yeah, combatabrasives.com, com. <laughs> uh, Knife Talk 10. They're going to take care of you. Where's the thief? So beefs, we're doing something a little different. So this week, Jeff has asked for, for your beefs, things that grind mm -hmm. your gears, things that really wind you up in the shop. So let's start with the first. Red, Jeff, do you want to take the first one? This one comes from Tim Landini Knives. I got a beef. My girlfriend's old man has been bugging me to make, bugging me to make him a knife, but every knife I've made, he holds it. He tells me the handles suck. <laughs> so he's just like go make it yourself your girlfriend's dad your girlfriend's oh, dad boy. is a dick i'm sorry yeah. i'm sorry tim <laughs> it's like i mean you're trying to do him something nice so you make it and he goes ah it sucks yeah, come on man why should you tell him to go make it himself 
He God. should be a quality control guy. Every knife you make, you should give to him and <laughs> give him his feedback. He'll yeah, good. girlfriend's old man's got to get a you're gonna get a knuckle sandwich. <laughs> that, I bet that would be hilarious if if he was just trolling the guy and saying, <laughs> "I really want a knife from you," just so that every time he brings him one, he tells him it's but not that one, but not that one, but not that one. <laughs> but not that one, yeah. I like your knives. Eh, I don't like that one. Oh, you, yeah. here's a knife for you. Eh, I don't like that one. Ugh, beat it. Girlfriend's dad. You know what would be cool is if you made it a good knife. I actually heard well, somebody You know be cool is if he, if, he, if he just said, hey, thanks very much. This is great. I appreciate it. Thank you for all your hard work. Yeah. You know? <laughs> all right. This next one is from Fireman615000. It's a hell of a name. Uh, yeah. it says, I've got a beef... When people ask for advice that they could simply Google or ask for pictures of your work for inspiration, but most of all, when they ask anything and end the post with, and go, like, I'm sitting around, wait, and go, oh, sorry, I read that wrong. But most of all, when they ask anything and end the post with, quote, and go, like, I'm sitting around waiting for a starting gun to give them something for free without any effort on their part. This yeah. is something that people do where they go, and go. As in, like, yeah. we're all some sort of, you know, we're waiting. It's like a game show. Yeah, Jeff, now get to work. And go <laughs> is infuriating. I know that uh, I know that Carl Ruiz, who I'm making the knives with, he gets a lot of, a lot, he's a chef on Food Network. I'm making the Cuban knives with him. And yeah. um, people say to him all the time, I get. I need a barbecue rest. A barbecue recipe that's gonna knock out my, you know, fa- family and friends. And go. And then he'll be right. And blocked. You know, he'll just let you know. It's, it's. <laughs> and go is like. It's it's like leave get get bent. Yeah. It's the worst. It's not a polite way to ask, is it? Certainly not. It's not and a it's like way all of a sudden, ask. you know, we're not like dogs waiting for someone to throw a ball and then we're gonna go fetch it. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid. Dance, monkey. You, Dance. Yeah, basically, yeah. We've got another one from Orvenshire Knives. Seriously yeah. love the podcast. It's a great company in the shop. Thanks, guys. But their beef is, hey, world, quit asking me when I'm going to be on Forged in Fire. And he said, there, it's done. He feels better for saying that. <laughs> there you go. Orvenshire, Orvenshire Knives. We're here for, to help you release and vent your frustrations in a way that makes you back to work and... You know, get on with your life. Congratulations. I, I saw on, on Neil, Neil Kamamura's post this week, somebody said to him, hey, you should go on Forged in Fire. And he's like, well, I've been on twice, you know? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Miracle, you must get that a lot. I get yeah. it all the uh, time. People all... are like, oh, you know what? Oh, you make knives? Have you seen this show, Forged in Fire? You should go do it. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, sh- I should check that out. Everyone, everyone is the Christopher Columbus of, 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 of statements. <laughs> if they all think they d- discovered everything, you know? It's so stupid. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Forged in Fire, we may have a surprise episode next week. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Teasing it out. Next one comes from our good buddy Olivia from Wildcraft Knives. (laughs) She got a long one. She's great. She's fantastic. Wildcraft Knives. When someone asks me why my fingernails and hands are so dirty, when someone asks me if my husband knows if I'm playing with his knives, or even when someone asks me if I'm married, then someone DMs me high, and and that's all. And when somebody comments how much, like I'm a goddamn lot lizard back in 2011 or some shit, (laughs) 
poor Olivia. <laughs> Olivia's awesome. She deals with some nonsense. People yeah, just, she you gets know, some bullshit. That's for sure. She gets some but bullshit. These are She's all fantastic. Great. These are great. I love, that's so far. That's my favorite beat. She's fantastic, and she's an awesome knife maker, and she's working hard, and and uh, she listens to the podcast, and uh, she's just a dynamite person. And I, I think that a lot of a lot of times, I think some some women get a little bit too much of the the bullshit from um, some of the guys following. And I get oh, yeah. honestly, honestly, I think what a lot of it comes down to is I honestly think that there's this like part of the brain that shuts off that that when you're interacting with someone on the internet that you don't realize that they're real people there it's like a computer game or something mm-hmm. so you're most likely because these are things you wouldn't say to you wouldn't go up to someone and say these things you wouldn't go up to olivia for the first time and say hey, why are your fingers so dirty or your first thing you go up to her and say hey, why does your husband do your husband know you're playing with his knife you wouldn't do that in real life so what? So what? Why would you? What possessed you? What would possess you to say those things on the internet? Unless you think, ah, it's not really happening because we're not face to face. This is like a. This is like in virtual. This is a virtual situation. So it's a veil of security for dipshits. <sighs> Awful. Awful. And Olivia is another knife clack knife talk alumni. She's she's been interviewed in the past as well. So go listen to that one. It's a good one. Yeah. There you go. The next one is J.H. Forgeworks, and his beef is, when someone reaches out to ask about purchasing an available knife, you tell them the price, then they immediately ask if they can get any, get any cheaper. As if you're going to put any you know, less effort into this knife uh, for them. Right. <laughs> people, don't realize, people don't realize that, you know, they don't, they don't understand how things are done. They don't understand, mm. they don't, they don't they have, there's no record, there's no... We have some sort of cultural. We have some sort of cultural uh, amnesia, where people don't. Re- you know, back in the day, people realized how things were made. If you needed nails, you went to the blacksmith. If you needed whatever, you don't. People don't understand these things now, so they just assume that you just go online to your big box store where that sends you stuff to your house, and it just materializes. Like we don't even know where that comes from. You just oh, you push something on the internet, and all of a sudden there's a box in your door. We have no under people have no understanding how things are done except for they can get the lowest price on certain things. So they, they you know everybody wants a deal. Well, we and we live in a commoditized world. So many things that used to be very carefully handcrafted and made to last forever are now just slammed out so that you know it lasts for a little while and then it takes a shit and you got to throw it away and then you got to reinvest. There, a lot of companies are built on the the model of people reinvesting in your product uh, that That's only lasts planned for planned obsolescence. Planned yeah. obsolescence. That only lasts for like, you know, six months to a year maybe. Where we're handcrafting, carefully handcrafting and thoughtfully handcrafting things, they're gonna last a long damn time. And yeah. uh, and that and there's a lot of skill that goes into that. And I think people forget that it's not just being stamped out by a machine anymore. These are human hands are on every process of the damn thing. And we're too it makes fat and lazy. We're too fat and lazy. We we we've got it too easy. We, we've there's no there's to, we've been trained to be though. But at the same we're, time it's convenience, like convenience. We don't, yeah, 100%. 100%. I shake hands with these soft-handed people all the time. They don't know what things how things are done. <laughs> I'm telling you, soft-handed people is the move. You can, and you all listening to this, people. you know this when you shake somebody's hands. And they're those like clammy, wet hands that you, they've been sitting in a cubicle and doing nothing. And then you you feel it and they don't give you any squeeze when you, you know, and there's no calluses, there's no cuts, there's no, you know, these people don't know how to do anything. 
So it's Jeff, like not everybody's got mangled hands like you, okay? I, my I hand, have. listen, <laughs> yeah, you fucking ain't right. <laughs> he does. You got more mangled than me. You can't see we the bones in my hand. hand about hand. <laughs> I, you know, I, these people don't know how to do things. That's and they think that things should be cheaper because they think things should be cheaper because they get yeah. everything else cheaper. Yeah. You know, and if a customer is is price led, you're never going to win because there's always going to be cheaper. And then there's that, then somebody's going to get cheaper again, cheaper. It's a race to the bottom. So if it's going to be price-led, you're never going to win. I had a customer of mine who was a great customer of mine, and he wrote me an email, and he says, hey, listen, I wanted, I wanted this and that and the other thing. Do you think you could, if I bought all this, could you, say, could you uh, save on the ship? Could you give me the shipping? And then I didn't see the message, and he re- immediately wrote back, and he goes, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. Uh, I was, I'm, the salesman in me wanted, you know, was looking for a deal. I shouldn't have done that. I'll pay a full black. I mean, I, I, I ain't making money off shipping. So it's like, all right, well, you know, I, I, I think a lot of times some people have the need to get a deal or a bargain. And that's the same sure. thing with people buying tools. Like I know guys who are constantly trying to nickel and dime other, you know, these are people who make things for a living. These people who know how hard it is to make knives and yeah. whatever. And they 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 try to nickel and dime people all the time. I, I'm sure Chris Cash, Mount Phillips uh, Metalwork, he gets that all the time. He knows he know he works like a dog, and people are trying to chisel him a little bit. So you have to figure it out. You have to figure out. You know, you, if you don't like it, you can't do it either. You know, yeah. I never bitch about the price. I always say I'm with you. Woo! All right, this next beef is from EC Knifery. He says, "My knife, or sorry, my knife." My beef is people who throw their damn cigarette butts out the window of their car. Hey, man, you're already killing your lungs. No need to burn the world down with you. I got to say, that that does bug me a bit. The cigarette butt thing is weird. At this day and age. Yeah. This day and age. Back in the day when I I remember walking the streets of New York, you'd, you know, you'd You'd fin- finish your cigarette butt and you'd put it in between the, you know, your middle finger and your thumb and you'd flick it and then it would hit the ground and it'd shoot some sparks up and, you know. But I don't, I don't understand, I don't understand smoking this day and age either. So you know, people are pigs. They don't realize that people are pigs. What can you say? What else is there to add? It's stupid. Yeah. It's like yeah. idiotic. I like this next question. This next question comes from Christian Seasoft. Christian Seasoft. Not a question. This beef comes from Christian Seasoft. I have a beef with with a certain Welshman. Every time Mr. Lockhart pronounces theirs, tears, with an S, I cringe. The S is silent, like tear. I know it's different with Paris, but... It, uh, but that is internationally recognized to be pronounced with S non by non-Frenchies. Ranch over. So let me just just to in the last episode, our you know the cap Captain Lockhart was Captain Lockwood was in uh, was in uh, tears. He was pronouncing it tears. The town of multiple yes. knives. Tears. Yes. He was pronouncing it with multiple knives. Well, here's my thing. Here's my thing. So yeah, yeah, I'm a non-Frenchie. I'm I'm not originally from France, yeah. so I you know, I thought it was Tier. I may be wrong. It may be Tier. I, I don't know. But the man who's telling me this spells oh. his name Christian with a K. So I've got no respect for a man who can't spell his own name right, there telling me how to pronounce things. There you go. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about. It. Listen, we pronounce a lot of things wrong, and we we either admit to them, we accept them, we understand the whole. A kukri thing we talked about a while ago. I get it. I get it. 
But or you like, keep calling Craig Mr. Lockhart. <laughs> I, you know what? I'll tell you what, Lockhart. Today's, Lockhart. <laughs> today's Lockhart because I think there's a cap. I, because I think I'm, I'm thinking about uh, Frank Zappa and Captain Beefheart. Yeah. That's oh. why I thought of That's where that came from. That was weird, bizarre. But, uh, you know, look, we get things, you know, we, 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 relax, Christian. Don't worry about how he pronounces things. Live your life. It doesn't, it doesn't make a difference. What, all of a sudden you can't find it on a map now because he says it with an S? Come on, man. <laughs> the next <sighs> is from Schmidt Forge. Um, and his beef is when guys insist on using shit steel to make knives because they think that the lawnmower blades are cooler. And he says, dude, shut the fuck up and buy some 1084 so you can make a decent good knife. Well, there you go. We get that yeah. question a lot, don't we? People saying, could I use so-and-so for a knife? And our response is always the same. Steel is cheap. Steel is cheap. Go to a reputable supplier, and we'll tell you about one later, um, and get yourself some good steel. But people don't yeah. know the... People don't know the, the people don't understand the convenience of once you find the place that'll sell you steel, like the New mm-hmm. Jersey Steel Baron. They don't realize how easy it is to buy it. So they'll they'll look at their lawnmower and they'll be like, "Yeah, I wonder if I can use this." Just stop the nonsense. Get yourself into the get yourself into the right groove of buying good steel. I, I will mm-hmm. say that as somebody who has repurposed materials. I think the trick, the key, is to know what you're working with. Because if you don't know what you're working with, uh, which means that you haven't had it sent out to be uh, have a chemical analysis done on it, you don't know what it's working, what you're working with. So you're kind of taking a gamble. And so if you are going to work with uh, steels that used to be bearings or springs or whatever uh, saw blades, um, I suggest you you take it and ha- send a sample out, have it tested, so you know what you're working with. Uh, the boys at uh, Bloodroot Blades, I love what they do. I think it's really cool. I think it it really adds an element to the story of the knife, of where it was came where it came from. Especially all of their stuff is all repurposed materials, but they know what it is. They spend the time and the money to have everything sampled, which is kind of expensive, but it adds to the story, so that they know what they're working with, so they know how to heat treat it, and so they can reliably say that this is an actual working tool. Instead of guessing and hoping and crossing their fingers that it's something usable, and then you know, two seconds down the road it can't hold an edge because it was mild steel or cast iron or I don't know what the hell, you know. So know what you're working with, and the best way to get around that and not have to deal with that is to source quality steel like you can get from New Jersey Steel Bear. So there you go. There you go. This one is from Flyover State Forge. Hey cutie, I have a beef for you. I had a table at a local maker's fair and I had to tell the same guy and his little bastard kid not to twirl the knives. And then he had the audacity to get pissed off at me when I told him that if the kid dropped the knife, then he'd have to buy it. And he says, like, fuck off, Mary Poppins. Holy <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. This is a people don't realize. People think you put it out on the table and it looks yeah. like you can pick it up. They're going to pick it up. Yeah. Somebody's finger off one day. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't. My my rule my rule of thumb is always I don't touch. I don't touch don't any touch. of it. Mm. I don't touch. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I don't trust myself. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm gonna drop it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to know why? When I was a kid, I had a birthday party, a sleepover birthday party with my friends. I was a young kid, and one of my dumb friends gave me. I must have been thirteen. He gave me professional handcuffs 
as a gift, you know, like professional <laughs> metal handcuffs. What kind of right? sleepovers did you have as a kid? That <laughs> <laughs> no, wasn't like that. We were kids. We were fucking kids. But it was a birthday party, and there was a sleepover or whatever. So they were giving me presents, and one of them was a pair of handcuffs. Now they think back about it, it's a strange gift. But the funny part was, the next morning, we're all sitting around in the living room playing a ColecoVision. That's like Atari, but a little bit better. And Wyatt, my buddy Wyatt, was sitting down, and I took the handcuffs, and I put them on his ankles. Both of them. And then I took the key, and I hung it over a, a, a return vent. In the in the in the floor, a return vent, and Wyatt started saying, "Don't you do it! Don't you do it!" And it's I don't know what happened. I don't know why I did it, but my fingers opened up, and that key went right down the trap, down the trap. Wyatt starts crying and screaming, "Why did you do that, Mister Fader?" And my dad comes in and goes, "What is going on? Wyatt's got handcuffs on his ankles. He's crying because he's stuck in these goddamn handcuffs." And they're and my dad says, "What happened?" And they're all kids are looking at me like, "Jeff just dropped the keys down the vent down the air shaft." And my dad's like, "What did you do that for?" And I'm like, "I got no idea. I was compelled." So my dad is taking Wyatt. Just a little asshole. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I did it. Sometimes you ever walk on a bridge and you want to throw all your worldly possessions off a bridge? You don't. You don't get that compulsion. You've never had no. that compulsion to throw something important <laughs> off a bridge. You know what I'm talking about. I know that some of the people are listening to this podcast. Sometimes okay. I all I want to do is I want to take something you super valuable and tuck it in the river. No, I want to. I need. I feel like I need some sort of loss and penalty or something like that. So my dad takes Wyatt, throws him over his shoulder, brings him down to his shop, puts his kid on a chair and his legs up in a vice, and then he starts <laughs> hacksawing. He starts hacksawing the handcuffs on, muttering to me, "You ruin your birthday. You ruin your birthday. This is disaster. You ruin your birthday." He's trying not to cut this kid's leg off with a fucking hacksaw. Jesus Christ! So that's why I don't touch knives. I'm a drama drop them, and it He's might be on purpose. In, uh... Are you still in contact with that friend? Wyatt? No, things think I think that soured our relationship. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Now he sees you on he sees you on Epicurious video and all the the trauma flashes back. Yeah, that son of a bitch that son of a bitch tried to you know, I don't know what they try to lock me might lock my legs up. Yeah. Talk about weak ankles. If he had some weak ankles like you, Craig, you'd have slipped right out of him. <laughs> Me and my wankles. Yeah. yeah, you would have been like, I would have been able to fit those goddamn handcuffs around your weak ankles. Oh, God. Yep. He's now touch... working in an S&M shop in Soho. This guy. <laughs> I don't touch oh, shit. <laughs> uh, he sure is. Poor Wyatt Wartells. I gave him some sort of sexual trauma. Sorry, Wyatt. All right. This next one is from Firekeeper Forge. He says, Beef is when people say it's a dirty 400 grit hand-rubbed finish. We all get that you're better than all of us. Jeez. Because you keep your 400... 400 grit's a pretty good finish. I mean... No, but that expression, it's just a dirty... It's just a dirty satin finish. I I, I don't even know what that means, really. What is a dirty... What does that even mean? Unrefined. Unrefined, I think. So there's J-hooks. They know they they can do better, but they're lazy. That's probably what it is. Or I, I call, but I I would, call it 120 a dirty finish. <laughs> oh yeah, here's a good one. All right, so this is from uh, this, this is from uh, Scale Burns and Stale Memes. You know, guys, know who that is? No. It's a new. It's a new account, and they they're doing these memes, these knife making memes, and actually, it's pretty clever. It's a little cutting, and the kid. 
All right, the guy or whoever, the girl or some whoever's doing it is they're trying to stay a little anonymous because they're 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 getting a little bit hot under the collar. It's actually pretty funny. So stale <laughs> scale burns and stale memes definitely worth a follow. Says his beef is people not being able to take a freaking joke. <laughs> He goes hard in the paint. It's actually fun. I mean, he's actually, you know, he goes a little bit hard in the paint at everybody. But it's a funny, it's a funny little account. And he, you know, some people don't like it. But Just I'm with him. It now. Oh, definitely. It's, I think there's, it's under... There's a picture of you, Jeff. His profile picture is a picture of you. Yeah, his profile's picture. That's, yes. But the profile picture is of me and they're like laser beam eyes. Yeah. Like from the Epicurious and I'm like, you know. But he's got, you know, he's a, it's a clever account. It's definitely for fun and you should definitely follow him just because, listen, have a little sense of humor, you know. Mm. But it's a lot of like inside knife making me. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Well, now here we are. And I'd like to say a little bit of something, a little something for our our sponsor, the New Jersey Steel Baron. We were talking about somebody had a beef with buying steel, you know, using your found lawnmower parts, steel and all that. Just go ahead and go to the New Jersey Steel Baron. Their website's coming up with discounts soon. We've been making the joke. They're sticking with us. So I'm with you. You can order the kind of steel that you want, stainless. You want carbon steel. You want this particular size. If you're doing stock removal and you have a specific size of width that you want, they have it. Or they can get it. They have lots of forging steel. They have jacketed steel. Wink, wink, you know what I'm talking about. Their website's great because you can get something and you can buy short lengths. You don't have to buy piles of it. You don't have to get trucks showing up. There's not a minimum. And... You can get the steel that you want or need, and if you want to fool around with stuff, they'll tell you how on their website how to heat treat the knives. They're super great in regards to that. They also do water jet cutting services. It's a um, you can if you have a template you wanted to make making you know batch of, they have the steel. They can water jet your stuff out. I've done my oyster knives with them. I'm going to be doing the Al Bandito knife with the New Jersey Steel Baron. I trust them. Once they have the file, they're super quick. And it's it's a great company uh, that's very supportive of this community. Uh, the best of the best use them. They're, that's good enough for me. And the New Jersey Steel Baron, go give them a, sh- a, a shout out and buy your steel from them. Yeah, they're at Blade. They're, they're at uh, table number 411 at Blade. Definitely. And there's a rumor that they may have stickers. Stickers? Who doesn't like stickers? I don't I like stickers. I love stickers. Oh, what are you, three? <laughs> <laughs> I got a sticker collection on my bicycle. What? I mean, I, I, just people say to me, when are you going to make stickers? I'm like, never. What do you mean, never? I'm like, yeah, never. I'm never making stickers. What do I got to I got to go to, gotta, I got to make stickers? Yeah, you, you don't want to see a car rolling down the street no. with fader knives on the back? I don't give a, I don't care. I don't want to see, I don't want to see my, what, what, like a whip them out Wednesday sticker? No, I'm not interested, not interested at all. Honk if you like blades. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Handcuffs, handcuffs for you. I, I have no interest in me. Look, good. Go fix yourself some stickers. I know people like to do sticker trades. People like stickers. Go ahead. I got. St- I'm looking at. I got sticker. I put them on my my drill press and my safety box. It's fine. Yes. Community showcase. Yes. This is the bit where we'd like to give a shout out to whether it's a member of the community or something cool that we've seen in the week. Um, and we've changed things up, so this is a timed round. So you have thirty seconds to give a shout out to whoever it may be. 
Um, and what we try to do, a little internal competition here, we try to hit the nail. We try to hit the end of this uh, little 30 seconds. Hit the some post. Of us, some of us cheat, some of us don't. But, ah, um, gee, come on, man. I'm going to go first. About that. Let's go. Ahead. go. So my shout-out is to Langmuir Systems. Now, I didn't know anything about these until this week, and I saw a video from um, Jonathan at Doghouse Forge um, where he was um, cutting out his own blades with a a CNC plasma cutter. And I thought, man, I bet that's expensive. Anyway, I found out who it was. It was Langmuir Systems. They make these amazing CNC plasma cutters um, to to, to cut out your own knives. Super affordable. They're super small. Um, They look cool. That was pretty tight. That's pretty, pretty tight. tight. I've, I've got to say, tight. that did sound like a sponsor right there. That, that, that in no way associated with the show. It's just something I found this week that looked well, really cool. You 30 seconds are over. I mean, okay. I, <laughs> what, 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 come on, man. What are you going over? You're going over the time limit now. Ready, Jeff? All the time. Go. I want to talk about Robin Dalman. That's Dalman Knives. He's, uh, I think he's in Sweden. He makes amazing knives. He's one of the first guys I ever see do S grinds. He also is the guy I've learned how to do a wah style handles from. He makes exquisite knives. His handle construction is good. If you go deep, you can figure it out. Dalman Knives, Robin Dalman, I am with you. Nice. Boom. There you go. No and no and no and no alarm at the end. How do you like that? <laughs> he muted that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had actually. You know what? The funny thing is, I actually had the barking dog, so I was willing to. If I didn't push the button in time, I was gonna like when the dog barks, I was gonna yell at my wife and say, "Hey, get that dog to shut up." <laughs> <laughs> now I've just seen who Mareko's picked in the show notes here, and this could take twenty seconds to read out. So this is all on you, Mareko. Are we ready? <laughs> yeah. Three, two, one. All right, this week I want to talk about Bill Tyke. I believe it's Tyke. I, I met him Tice. at Tice. Sorry. Start, right, start it over. Give him a new Give him a new 30 seconds. Give him a new 30 oh. seconds. Oh. <laughs> give him a new 30 seconds. Tice, like dice. All right. Tice, like dice. Three, two, one. All right, this week my uh, community shout-out goes to Mr. Bill Tice Knives. Uh, he's actually a – I met him at Jeff's Hammer Inn. And he only lives about a half a mile, or lives. his shop's only about a half a mile from uh, Jeff. But on top of making knives, he also makes uh, these guitar picks from Ramhorn. He got one for me as a going-away gift for uh, uh, made of Icelandic Ramhorn. Sweet stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't actually give his handle. <laughs> Did you because you're putting, you it in the 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 you're putting it in the show notes. I don't need to give the handle. <laughs> Did you say you suck at the end? Sweet stuff. Oh, sweet stuff. I thought you said, oh, you suck. <laughs> Bill no, Tyson, good it, dude. It is sweet stuff. Good dude. Yeah, he's a good dude. Cool guitar he's pick. Bill underscore TYC underscore knives underscore studio on Instagram. Cool. I wonder if you can, wonder if you can make me a ram horn finger, replacement finger. Yeah, ram horn <laughs> finger. Jesus. You're going to have to do, uh, what? It, oh, that's on your, it's on your left hand though, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Oh, man, I have no... Yeah. I'm not I'm jealous of that hands. situation. Ram horn finger. Yeah. Okay, it's time for our own beefs. We've heard your beefs. I'm going to kick things off with people. People in general. <laughs> Humanity. 
Yeah, it, it is. It's humanity and people kicking others when they're low. So it's it's been um, a week um, in here in Europe where we've had various things. So the first thing is the whole Jamie Oliver thing. So his uh, oh, restaurants are going into liquidation. Um, he sort of put up this post on Instagram, turned off the comments so nobody could comment for understandably why. Um but he's still posting on Facebook, and I'm assuming these are sort of scheduled posts. They're like recipes, that kind of thing. And the shit that this guy gets, it's unbelievable. So th- this guy, he's, you know, for 10 years, he's had these restaurants. For, for 20, 25 years, he's been a public figure. And I've talked about this in the past, but hugely inspirational to me. He's done so much good for for food within the UK getting kids to eat better, educating people to cook simple, simple meals that are nutritious. Um, and he had these restaurants for 10 years, and now they've gone to liquidation, and they're, you know, it says they reckon 1,000 to 1,300 people out of a job. Now, I know just, just looking behind the scenes that, you know, this obviously wasn't intentional. Um, and I've been reading stories of, you know, last year, Jamie put in tens of millions into the restaurants because they were losing, they've been losing money for years. He put tens of millions in to help people stay in their jobs. The beginning of this year, he put in millions again to help try and keep this thing afloat, which which was losing money anyway. So it's, it's the last thing he ever wanted. But like, um, he's put up these these recipes on Facebook and the comments are disgusting. People are saying things like, well, how have you got the nerve to still be alive when you're putting all these people out of work? And and all these things. And it got to a point last time. I, I've been quite upset by it all week. And I, I know that's ridiculous. But um, I'm, I'm, a friends, I'm friends with a couple of his friends on Instagram. And somebody put up something about one of the newspapers here in, in Europe called the Daily Mail. And they put up this story about Jamie. And it was just disgusting. The things they, it was just trash, complete trash. And people are commenting on this now and they're, they're all, you know, all talking about Jamie and painting him in a bad shade. And it got to the point where Jamie Oliver's mother was on there and she was trying to reply to all these bad comments. Oh, so Jesus I can only Christ. only imagine oh, a, a 60-year-old lady having the worst week of her life, sitting at home and feeling the need to defend her son online when he's done nothing wrong. And I just what is wrong with people? I mean, Jeff talked about this earlier, saying, you know, you don't see a person behind, you know, a, a, a social media platform. It's just somebody you can vent at or whatever. But, I mean, what's wrong with humanity where people think this is right, you know? We've also had another incident in the UK where our, you know, I'm not a fan of the Prime Minister we had. But even so, you know, she, she, she said she's leaving and all the rest of it. And the, the vile stuff people are saying, and this is, the, these are people, these are people, they were trying to do a job. She didn't do a job very well, in my opinion, but that's 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 besides. But the things people are saying online about people, it's just disgusting, and I, it, it, just, it just worries me for the future when people think this is an acceptable behaviour. So my beef is people. People, sort your shit out. Be good to people. It's, it's very... It's, it is very, there is a disconnect when your communication with someone is staring at a phone. I mean, it's yeah. like it is, it removes the humanity. And then if it removes the humanity, it also removes the, your sense of doing something right or wrong. People, people say horrendous things to people because I'm not a hundred percent sure they think that people see it. Yeah. You know, yeah. And it, it's, it is upsetting. It is upsetting because it's just like. He is, he's inspired, I'm sure that, I think that you could make the point that he's, he's particularly, he's inspired a lot of 
good cuisine in, in the UK. And it's yeah. like he's almost inspired more of a societal change in regards to how they eat there. And the restaurant business is the worst. I mean, I hate to say it. I've said it a million times. I wouldn't wish the, wish the restaurant business on my worst enemy. The, it's so fickle. And it's mm. the margins are so slim. And the food costs and everything like that. It's brutal. And if you got a pile of them and it's just, it's, you get in the weeds, it's the worst. And it, for this to happen, it's, it is very troubling. Very troubling. Mm. It's, it's people's beef. attitude to it. I mean, uh, you know, put, putting this thing aside to, to anything people's attitude of being able to go online and personally insult people it's you know it's, it's bullying from afar and i i just find it so strange that people would have the time to do that to begin with they'd have the desire to do it it's it's crazy absolutely crazy. and it just people, worries me for the future it's it's mental mental people say that to professional fighters people go after professional fighters you know yeah. that they're not they're not afraid to you know you don't want to say that to these guys in their face why would you say it uh, look, who's gonna? Maybe it's gonna. Maybe they'll. It'll be. They'll be have to be a change. I mean, there is ugliness, and it is a very ugly situation. Look, I make jokes mm. about people. I made a joke about cyclopses today. I mean, yeah. I was. Uh, you a, know. a joke is very different. A joke is something uh, that you know should be taken in jest. But right. When people are going out there to hurt people, it's it's wrong. It's wrong. What's your beef, Jeff? Well, I mean, obviously we're gonna go into hurting people. I got hurt at a fucking Lizzo concert this week. <laughs> I got punched in the face by this. You know, clearly. I don't care person. This Lizzo concert was great, and I had a great time being with my wife and daughter, but I had an awful time because the fans were assholes. The other thing was my poor kid. My poor kid is she's 14 years old. She works hard. We took her to this concert on a school night. She deserves it. She's, she's everything. So we found a spot. It was a, it was at Terminal 5 in the city, and we found this spot by a pillar. It wasn't standing. So she's leaning against this pillar. I'm thinking, ah, great. I'm going to lean against this pillar. It'll be perfect. There's this woman who stood in front of my daughter with the biggest hair of all time. She stood like, <laughs> she stood like literally maybe four inches taller than my daughter with this super, super wide hair. And she was literally in front of my daughter. And my daughter was, looks at me and she goes, what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, ah, this is, here you are. We got to figure something out. So I, I had a, you know, we all got, we all got beat up a little bit at a very positive concert. So oh, yeah. cinema hair is the worst. And punch in the fit, punch in the face, punch in the face <laughs> by a reveler. And uh, I was yelled at for going to take a leak. Fake fan. Fake fan. <laughs> Fake, Fake fan. fan. <laughs> Stupid. Fake fan. You should just I'm, piss I'm gonna... your pants like the rest of us. I mean, it's like, are you people crazy? That's what you, you're cheering and excited and you're happy. And then you got to, if somebody goes to the bathroom, you got to yell at them for going to the bathroom. It wasn't like, an, it wasn't a, it wasn't like an orchestra. It wasn't the New York Philharmonic for God's sakes. It was in a goddamn concert. Everyone's got like, you know, beards and drinks and dresses. And they looked, everyone looked like, you know, they were very accepting. So they should be accepting of Travis Bickle having to go take a leak. Jeez. Louise. Outed. Totally. What have, you, what have you got, Morocco? Well, you know how much I hate the drivers in Connecticut. Well, uh, <laughs> the, ones, the ones in Washington, unfortunately, aren't much better. While the drivers in Connecticut are selfish and unpredictable the ones in washington are they're just chickens they're such chickens and it it's annoying obnoxious especially if i'm in the right lane there's a there's a freeway uh on ramp and i got no opportunity to move over and this is this is while i was driving the big 26 foot box truck you know it's 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 hard enough to get enough momentum behind that thing and it, 
it's so gutless. Going up hills, I was maxing it. Uh, I was doing, at, at best, like 35, 40 miles an hour. So oh. at one point, I was doing 25 for miles. That's terrible. But anyways, these chickens here in Washington, instead of <laughs> speeding up or slowing down, and, and I'm coming up, and I can see them on the on-ramp. They're coming. They're about to, to get on the highway. And then they slam on their brakes to let me go by. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Because I was slowing down to let them in because just a little bit because I knew that, you know, I could see them coming. I'm going to slow down. They're plenty ease ahead. Off. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I ease off. And then they got people behind them. That's the other thing. They got people behind them. They're slamming on the brakes to let me in. I'm like, you're an idiot. And that just, that's, that's what, that's how it works over here in Washington. People are chickens. People in 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 Connecticut are selfish and and assholes, and we got chickens over here. You know, it's funny because if you really think about it, we people Americans especially drive so much. You'd think that there would be tricks and tips to make. Generally, we know that when you're on an on ramp and you see an opening, you gun it. You don't you don't stop on an on ramp. Hmm. I, I there's like there's like this we 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 don't have we need like a. We need like a journeyman Smith. We need a journeyman Smith driver test. We need a master Smith driver test. We need to get like. We need to figure out. You don't pump your brakes on the turn. You know. You know. Yeah. We need. We need some sort of like. The driving is the wor- The worst. The. I mean. The, the. I don't think. I don't think these people are gonna ever gonna figure. The police are ever gonna stop texting and driving. I, but it's like the drivers in this country. There. There's no nuance. There's no great drivers anymore i mean part of what frustrates me is like when i'm getting on the highway i look i'm not just looking in my blind spot or right next to me to the left i'm looking in my mirror like half a mile back trying to anticipate who's going to be right on my ass as i actually Mm. get on the highway and i just don't understand how that doesn't click into other people's mindsets when they're driving like when you're in the car and you're driving you got one job and that's not to kill yourself or anybody else. Drive like a responsible person. But and stay off your just, phone. And stay off your damn phone. Yeah. People, people just let themselves get distracted. I tell you what, when I grew up in New York, I, I didn't get a driver's license until I was in college because I was in New York. But we didn't have to. You, you, the, the thought of even having to get a driver's license, you didn't need it. The trains were great. The subways were great. The triple buses. I never had to drive a car until I was in college. So it's like, you know, it'd be better mass transit. Speaking of which, if you're going to the Blade Show, don't expect to get a fucking bus or train. That is the Atlanta is the worst of the worst for public transportation. You got to Uber from the you got to Uber everywhere. So I mean, you can you Uber. Go. I'll tell you the first time I I went to Blade Show, I actually did take the bus. Or there I took the 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 rail for part of the way and then took the bus the rest of the way. Uh, it only costs three fifty, but it takes three hours to get there. Yeah, <laughs> instead great. of like half an hour. By, well, there we by are. Uber. Transportation talk. Yeah, <laughs> that's a show. That's a show. Let's let's call it a day there. So make sure that you subscribe, leave us a review on whatever platform you're using, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, whether it's YouTube, whether it's on the website, whatever, whatever. Leave us a review. Tell your friends about us, and we shall speak to you next week. Bye-bye. See you later.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.